Welcome to Adulthood Made Easy, a podcast from Real Simple Magazine that will not only help you navigate real life, but win at real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel, clueless just like you, and slowly figuring out how the adult world works week by week. And as many of you know, right now we're doing a Guide for Grad series dedicated to you, the class of 2015, and helping you navigate those first few months after graduation. This week is all about one of my least favorite places in the world, the grocery store. (laughs) And that sounds counterintuitive because I love food, so the grocery store has all of what I do love, but I hate shopping for it. And in fact, I shop so infrequently that the last two times I've gone grocery shopping, my credit card company has contacted me with a fraud alert. (laughs) asking me if I really did go to a supermarket. And I always have to be like, yes, that was me. I went to a supermarket. I am able to cook, but I don't cook that often. And I just felt like today would be a good time to talk about where it all starts, which is the grocery store. Because if you're not buying the ingredients, obviously you can't cook. So with me today is Sarah Karnasevich, food editor at realsimple.com and co-host of another one of our Real Simple podcasts, Things Cooks Know. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sam. Thank you so much for coming in to talk to me today. I'm so excited. And talking to me every day about all of my food questions. So you obviously don't hate the grocery store as much as I do because you have you are responsible for other human beings I in your home. I love the grocery store like an inordinate amount, actually. It's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've always hated the grocery store. I think it's since moving here and all the pressure and the crowds and the lines and New York grocery stores are no, notoriously No, I'm bad. with you there. And I should, I should preface that last statement by saying that I love, love, love the grocery store, but I'm very picky about when I grocery shop and I get like very indignant when the store is crowded and I've got it all down to like a science and... When I was a freelancer for a number of years, that was like the one of the top five things I loved about freelancing is that I could grocery shop at the times when no one else was in the grocery store. Well, I could whine about this for years. I do on a regular basis. But you said you, you're picky about when you go. So do you have like a magic hour for when you're going to the grocery store? Well, I think there are a few general rules of thumb that don't necessarily coincide with like an exact hour of the day. But, um, you know conventional wisdom is don't go grocery shopping when you're tired because sometimes you're going to make poor choices. Okay. Don't go when you're hungry. I'm always hungry. Because you're going to be like, <laughs> oh, I need that, I need that, I need that, I need that. You know, yeah. there's going to be a lot more impulse buying. And it's probably not a good idea to routinely go right after work on your way home, even though obviously that's a very convenient time to go because that's the time when everyone else in the world is going to be going. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, right after work on the way home and Sunday afternoon, those are kind of like the the rush hours in the grocery store. Okay. So considering all of those factors, calculating them, Mm -hmm. I would say that you might try going Saturdays around 10 or 11 a.m. Okay. There's still going to be maybe a few more people than there would be during the week because it is the weekend, but you haven't quite hit that midday rush yet. But it's not like so early that you're dragging yourself out of bed to be like, got to go grocery shopping at the crack of dawn. Yeah. Yeah. And that's especially since I've heard from so many people that like Sundays are a good day to sort of look to the week ahead. Sure. Then you don't have to do your shopping and your cooking on the same day, which is, you know, that's a lot 
to bite off and chew like yeah. in one day. It's it's probably like making life harder for you than you need it to be. Right. Well, it's nothing's that hard for me because I don't go grocery shopping. <laughs> so it's been, I mean, when I go grocery shopping, I go to CVS and pick yeah. up like cereal. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, Sundays are a great day to plan. And I feel like the advice I've gotten from everyone mm-hmm. whenever I talk about, you know, food, postgraduate life, how you kind of feed yourself, meal planning comes up every yeah. time. And we, one of our coworkers, Bridget, mm-hmm. is great at meal planning. Like, she knows exactly what she is making for the whole week, grocery shops for it. Like, she's just a pro. I don't think I'm going to become a pro, but mm-hmm. I do feel like there there is something to be said for having a plan. And totally. how do you set that up? I think it's a really good thing to aspire to. But I don't think you need to go from, like, eating Cheerios for dinner four nights a week to cooking three-course meals every night. Like, I just think that's (laughs) – I think that that's, like, a, you know, a setup for disappointment. Okay. Um, I think the discipline of recipe, of meal planning, is a really good sort of habit to get into. But don't think of it as, like, a a seven-day-a-week kind of thing. Maybe you want to just pick – a night or two, like two days a week when you know you're going to be home and those are going to be the nights when you like actually think of something maybe slightly more elaborate than your bowl of Cheerios. Okay. And also, I should say, not every meal has to be like a meal with, you know, a meat and a starch and a vegetable on the plate. You can make yourself like plates, like sort of grazing things that mm-hmm. but that are elevated a little bit from just like you know Cheerios and yeah. popcorn. Right. You know, you if you make sure that you always have some olives or a loaf of bread or some nice piece of cheese or a pear or an apple you can slice up. You it's just some of these like pantry kind of staples or refrigerator staples that in themselves don't make a meal. But if you slice a few up and you put them all together, it's actually really satisfying and pretty balanced, actually, um, that kind of thing. So that's one approach that maybe you're using on an off night that doesn't really require planning a meal. But it's just something to keep in mind when you do go shopping. If you know that you always have those things, you, you can always at a moment's notice put together some kind of little platter like that. And I have a friend who... When she has, when she started going grocery shopping, if she felt like she had a really successful trip, mm-hmm. like she got home and she was like, "Wow, I did a great job. I can see where my meals are going to end up. Yep. I can, I did a good job." She keep, she kept that receipt yep. and used it as a shopping list for her next. That's really smart time, which That's... in theory would be great if I ever went. But well, and the other thing I was going to say, so if you are designating, say, two nights a week that you're going to do sort of more proper meal planning, yeah. Make sure they're nights that tend to be, like, a little more relaxing for you or you don't think you're going to be, like, rushing through. You don't don't make it a chore. So maybe one might be a weeknight and one might be a weekend. And then think ahead about what you might like to try cooking and have fun with that, like looking for recipes. They can come from anywhere, the library or the newspaper. I mean, your mom, your cousin, whoever. Yeah. Try and get excited about getting inspired and then find a simple way to keep track of the things that sound appealing to you so that when you are thinking, okay, what should I make tonight or make on Tuesday, then you can quickly scroll through them and say, oh, this sounds good this week or it's kind of 
warm this week or it's kind of cool this week and this is what I think I might want to eat. If a recipe, like I pick one that sounds really exciting to me, but one or two of the ingredients are a little exotic or I know Mm -hmm. I won't really use them, like I could just skip those for, for the most part yes. for sake of yeah. ease but there might also be things like that that seem like a little like fish sauce or something like mm-hmm. that that might be in a stir fry or something that might seem like kind of exotic to you and you're like why am i buying this fish sauce but that will actually become a pantry staple for you that like if you buy that once you're not going to use that whole thing in the recipe that you're making so right over time you'll start to build up that pantry of items that you won't have to shop for new every time you go for a recipe. Yeah. And, you know, another way to think about it is it might help in the beginning to, like, give yourself some kind of structure where maybe you want to do pasta nights on Thursdays or soups on Sunday or Taco Tuesday or something like that. Because those are, like, very wide and vague parameters, but they, like, give you – a framework to start thinking. In. I like those. And then it's like you can experiment with different taco recipes yeah. and and that's that's a fun idea. Okay, so everyone every aspect of my life operates on the premise of how can I do it for less money. Sure. You know, whatever it is, budget friendly is like the the word I love or the word combination that I love. So are there any budget friendly grocery strategies? Like how can you kind of make your grocery cart work for you and your budget? Sure. Well, I think there's two ways of thinking about it. I mean, generally, places in the grocery store where you can get a little more bang for your buck include, like, the bulk bins. Mm -hmm. Those are great for things like grains and beans, so like a couscous or rice or anything like that that you want to use as, like, the base for a meal. And those things are really filling and good for you, too. Great. You know... I think you mentioned that you live close to a fairway, which is a grocery store that we have here in New York. But I think the same concept applies. A lot of stores do this. But fairway has this thing, which I get, like, really crazy excited about, which is every once in a while or often I go in and in the produce section there are, like, big bags of – it could be anything. It could be, like, zucchini or squash or eggplants or something like that that are near that are like a little bit bruised or a little bit like not perfectly beautiful or nearing the end of its life mm-hmm. and they're insanely cheap and there's really nothing wrong with this food except that it doesn't look like perfectly pristine yeah cuz you just like cut those parts off and yeah. you don't want and them yeah and so i always get so excited when they have those because it's like you could get like what looks like a half <laughs> like yeah. a half-size garbage bag full of eggplant for like $2. Oh, my gosh. And I always feel like it's like Iron Chef. Like I have to like think about, you know, 10 ways to like use up this eggplant. Yeah. But it's really fun. And it's so cheap. And especially if like fresh produce is something that can kind of add up quickly for you, it can be a great way to like get a bunch of it. And a lot of, you know, might not work so well with eggplant, but like squash and things like that. You can also clean those up when you get home, like you said, slice off any part that doesn't look great. And a lot of things that you find, you could make a soup out of some of it and then freeze the soup, or you could just slice up 
the ingredient and freeze it in plastic baggies. So you're basically making your own frozen ingredients that you don't have to buy later. Mm -hmm. So you don't necessarily have to use like 10 pounds of whatever in one fell swoop. Okay, so Sarah, secret superheroes of the grocery store, whether that's produce that's last longer than others, foods that can be used for every single meal, spices or foods that, you know, will instantly transform all of your food in the cupboard. What are some of those staples for you? (laughs) Oatmeal is one I'd put way up there. Yeah. It's really good. And I don't mean like the little packages of maple syrup oatmeal that's like already flavored and stuff like that. I mean like a big, it doesn't have to be like the slow cooking oats, like steel cut, but you know, a big canister of oats. Okay. Because if it's unflavored and all of that, you can take it in any direction you want. You can bake with it. You can obviously make oatmeal and have it for breakfast, and you can put maple syrup on it or butter or throw some nuts in there or some sliced fruit. You can Mm -hmm. flavor it in any one of a million different ways. Or you can, this might be a little radical to you, you can take it in a savory direction and you can have it for dinner. Um, You can cook it with chicken stock instead of water or milk. You can add a little soy sauce or some ginger. You can top it with some egg or some scallions. Sounds um, good. Mushrooms. It's almost like you could make like a risotto out of it, basically, but like a really, really simple one. And you just mentioned so many of your, a couple of your other staples, which were soy sauce, eggs, (laughs) and chicken stock. And chicken stock, yep. And so chicken stock, I think, obviously, there's a million different ways you can use it in other kinds of soup. But you can also just heat up chicken stock and stir in a, like an egg, scramble in an egg while Mm -hmm. it's warm. And you sort of make homemade egg drop soup that way. Okay. It's just like the building block of so many other things and it adds flavor in a way that water won't. Okay. Eggs, I mean eggs would be like my number one. Your house should never not have eggs in it because you know, as an emergency satisfying real food meal at any time of day, like eggs have just like a million uses and they can elevate like just about anything. So you maybe you have some like a few handfuls of lettuce in your fridge that you don't know how to use. And you want to use them before they go bad. Well, you can soft boil an egg and put that on top of your bed of lettuce with some oil and vinegar and some salt and pepper. And you'll have a beautiful little bistro salad. And, um, Sounds good. And yogurt. That's the other thing I would say. Like plain yogurt. Yeah. And we talked about it a little bit, but I was saying I hate when food spoils and I have to throw it out. And that's Mm -hmm. something that really discourages me from grocery shopping. So once you get back with your bags full of groceries... What can you do to either extend the life or at least keep them for as long as they're supposed to last? Sure. So I'm guessing that in the grocery store, if you're buying fruits and vegetables, you're probably like bagging them up in those little plastic bags. Of course. Yeah. Yep. It's sort of impossible to escape those. But they're, they're not supposed to go into your refrigerator in those bags. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. It's actually really bad for them. Okay. um, Because it it traps all the humidity inside the bag, which makes them go spoil. Spoil faster. Yeah. Okay. So take them out of their plastic bags. You can just store them plain like that, or you could wrap them in paper towels, which helps absorb moisture, that condensation that might be in there. But that will do a lot just in itself. But I, act, I I would love to eliminate those plastic bags. Start from a the movement. World. Yes. 
It drives my husband crazy, but I never use them in the grocery store, and I just have stuff like rolling all over the place. <laughs> but I just, I just want, I want them gone. Okay. So, cool. Number one piece of advice is that if you're buying any herbs or asparagus or anything like that, those are two things that particularly work this way. When you store them in the fridge, you should treat them like you would cut flowers okay. and put them in a little cup with some water in the bottom of them, they'll last so much longer that way. Okay. And if you buy big black blocks of cheese, better than saran wrap for wrapping it is wax paper. Again, that's like a moisture issue. Okay. So let's talk about something that so many of my friends have brought up to me when I've told them that I'm doing something about grocery shopping is buying meat. Okay. And there's something, I don't know, I don't eat that much meat or cook that much meat at home. Mm -hmm. But there's something about buying it that, like, really intimidates me. And then it's like you'll throw it in the freezer and six months later there's some block of ice and you're like, oh, this was chicken at one point. Right. Um, (laughs) That's so exciting. Do you have any, like, advice for approaching the butcher counter with confidence? I I mean, I feel like we could devote a whole other episode just to the subject of shopping for meat. But – I feel like the main problem, the vibe I'm getting from you right now is that this idea of, quote unquote, buying meat is this like large, looming, amorphous idea. And it's kind of overwhelming you. And just like the simple thought of it is making you shut down. Right. And I think that you need to not get skeeved out by the idea of like touching meat or knowing what the different parts are or how fast it's going to go bad. You're not eating meat every day. No. So you don't need to be buying it once a week or every two weeks because unless you have a plan, mm-hmm. you're going to end up right in the same place that you've been describing. It all comes yeah. back to the plan. It's like the and, circle of life. And so you, you know, so if you do start doing the thing where you're planning two meals a week and one of those is going to include me or both of them are, those are the things that you should be shopping for on a weekly basis or a day, like day of basis. Yeah. The specifics of what you should be looking for are going to vary a little bit right. according to you know what kind of meat you're looking for. But in general, you want something that doesn't look hacked up, that has been yeah. well butchered, you know, so that isn't ragged or uneven or just looks manhandled. Mm -hmm. So when you're just looking at the case, these are visual cues. Yeah. The color. Not everything has to be that like crazy unnatural red color, but uniformity of color is a good thing to look for. You don't want things that look like mottled or that can be a sign that it's maybe going towards the bad end of the spectrum. Okay. And, you know, it's just you'll the more you talk to butchers or not they don't have to be like fancy Brooklyn mustached butchers but just like (laughs) real guys who work in the meat department yeah they're happy to help you like that's why they're there that's great and I think that that rings true like just go up and ask the butcher counter that's advice that I've heard not just with going to the grocery store but with everything with you know this transition into the real world is just ask like everyone is willing to help no one is judging you right yeah it's like that's it's okay to ask so on I still ask all the time I mean yeah I I, you know we're all learning all the time so and that's why I always ask you things (laughs) 
So on that note, I think that we've covered a lot today. We were never going to be able to do it all, but I think this is a great foundation for heading to the grocery store without fear. So thank you, Sarah. You are the best. You can hear Sarah on her podcast, Things Cooks Know, with new episodes every Tuesday. Thanks to all of you for joining me today for Adulthood Made Easy. If you have topics that you'd like me to cover in the future, you can tweet them to me at Samzabel, and I'll add them to my list. Our producer is Tim Einenkel. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe and review on iTunes. And don't forget to buy a copy of the book that has all the answers, The Real Simple Guide to Real Life, which you can get wherever books are sold. I'm Sam Zabel, and I'll have more answers next time.